Good day, and thank you for tuning in to the Jeff Casella program. It's been a while. Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, writing on my website, understandinggodslaws.com. I've added quite a few articles, articles that pertain to our past history of the Israelites and the Jews, as well as history of today and how this history relates to you and I. If you've been reading your Bibles, you'll begin to understand and see that the big picture is unfolding. What's going on in the Middle East is just not by coincidence. Or if you go back and read, what you'll find is, is that the Israelites are having trouble with the Edomites. That Jacob and Esau, or their tribes, are at odds. And that the Israelites and the Jewish nation that we know is Israel is having trouble with Syria, with Lebanon, and with the uh, nomadic tribes coming out of Iran. It's a matter of fact that these people hate the Israelites. They hate Israel. Yes, there is a distinction between an Israelite and a Jew. The distinction is simple. The Israelite believes in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. The Jew stops and says, God, that's it. There's your difference right there. Doesn't lessen things in any way. It's just a matter of fact. And the fact is that we have a lot of Israelites in the nation of Israel that are under fire and yet they're under God's protection. We here in America sleep very nicely for no fears of having missiles flying over our heads or from attacks from Syria or from Lebanon. And Iran, with the possibility of getting a nuclear head or more, radical Iran and their nomadic tribes want to eliminate the Jews, want to eliminate the country of Israel. Satan is having his folly, make no doubt about it, because he knows his time is limited. And he also knows that he's in trouble and that one day that he and his minions are going to be locked. This is all Bible history. It's already in, in the history books of the Bible. Please take the moment and read what it has to say. Because the great plot of Jesus Christ arriving is sooner than what we think. One has to think, what would happen if a nuclear attack was unleashed? unleashed? Make no doubt that the evil axis consisting of Iran, Russia, and China have formed a triangle. Why? Look no further than the amount of oil that Iran is providing both Russia and China each day. China's population is exploding. In order to fuel their cars, they must have lots and lots and lots of oil. 
where they in turn can turn their money, that being China and Iran and Russia, can get the oil that's, that they need. That's why this little so-called country has mushrooms so greatly in producing oil. Because these two major countries need that oil. In return, Iran from the United States seems like they have a war chest of over $60 billion. It's my prayer, and I hope it's yours too, that our public officials awaken themselves and freeze all of their assets, freeze their money. We have to cut the head off. If you believe that the Iranians or the warring Muslims are evil, and you've seen the evil on what they're doing, it's not just what they're saying, but what they're doing, raping women, cutting off heads, and basically cutting women that are pregnant open and leaving the fetus. You can't call them animals. You can't call them barbaric. They're beyond that. And what do they do? They grab innocent citizens that are still there and make them as human shields so it's hard to shoot them. Yes, they're terrorists, but more importantly, they're cowards. They are part of Satan's minions, and that's the best I can describe them. And you know what, guys? If you're listening, you better pray to God, because in the end, you too will go before him and not before Muhammad. And you know what? You're going to have an awful lot of explaining to do. If you think Muhammad's going to bail you out on this one, I've got news for you. God created Muhammad. It isn't the other way around. God created Muhammad. Muhammad's dead. God isn't. Christians better stand. Christians better assist. So let's turn to a little bit of uh, humor before we get into the lesson of character versus reputation. As a senior citizen was driving down the freeway, the cell phone rang. Answering, he heard his wife's voice and urgently warned who was warning him, Herman, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on the interstate. Please be careful. Herman? Yes, Herman replied, heck, it's not just one car, it's hundreds of them. Two elderly ladies had been friends for many decades. Over the years, they'd shared all kinds of activities and adventures. 
Lately, their activities have been limited to meeting a few times a week to play cards. One day they were playing cards when one looked at the other and said, now don't get mad at me. I know we've been friends for a long time, but I just can't think of your name. I thought and thought, but I can't remember it. Please tell me what your name is. Her friend glared at her. For at least three minutes, she just stared and glared at her. Finally, she said, how soon do you need to know? And uh, that's from the older generation. Isn't it crazy? Uh, I don't know about you, but there are times when I have to think about that same thing. And uh, frankly, um, I'm not as sharp as what I used to be. And I try to remember things as best as I can. But sometimes I have what they call a brain freeze. But it makes it interesting. So let's turn to a different note here. And um, let's look at the United States. I want you to think of people. Friends, loved ones, neighbors, acquaintances, our politicians, sports figures. Uh, media waves, people in general, how would you classify them? Character or reputation? Politically, do you think of your House of Representative and your senators as men or women with character? Or are they more concerned about their reputation? about the president of the United States, the Supreme Court, the vice president, the secretary of state and the cabinet, past leaders. How would you, if you were looking and you had met, say, we'll take Donald Trump, for example, would you say Donald Trump was a man of character or a man of reputation? Joe Biden, a man of character or a man of reputation? Lester Holt on NBC News, a man of character or a man of reputation? We can go down the line and we can pick various men, sports figures, uh, present and past. Character or reputation? But it all comes down to a few things. And that is, how does one break down his or her's character? And how does one break down his or her's reputation? Which is greater to you? You're a businessman. Is it more important that you have a character and that you're a man of character? Or that you're a man of reputation. Hmm. So let's get into this a little bit. And, and here's my thoughts on it. And, and you may agree, you may disagree. But the good thing of it is, is that uh, I respect your opinion and your thoughts either way. I think uh, that we all have them. And, it, and it's good to think about this because we have elections coming up. 
So today's lesson focuses on the character of man versus the reputation of man. Same way with women. So do you have any candidates in mind that come to mind? Concerning their character and their reputation. And we just spoke about that. We as people may judge or size up our fellow man by his reputation or how he or she acts toward others. Nice, not nice. Mean, dispirited, or uh, very nice, very genteel, very mannerly. To all so many, he or she projects the image of doing what's right as well as saying what's right and acting correctly in front of his peers and family. The thought is, since he presents or has the image of a good reputation, then he or she is a good person, as his reputation speaks for himself. Now the question comes, what's the difference between character and reputation? Or are there really any differences? And what does this have to do with us? Or what does it have to do with who we are versus who we appear to be? It's like pulling the curtain away to see who's behind the curtain. Now, I recently came upon an article by Dr. H.T. Spence on the death of character. This was in Straightway 2000. It is examples of men who believed in character first. I'm with him 100%. I've done a lot of uh, investigation work, and uh, I thought it's very, very interesting. But before we get into that, I think, or I hope that, you would agree that character or one who possesses character also possesses something very interesting. Inner values. Inner values, not outer, inner. Are we no different than a fruiting tree who bears inner values with as its fruit, thus creating character as the foundation of living? And I put this because, as you are aware, I'm a gardener. I compare this to digging a deep hole watering the hole thoroughly, planting the fruit tree, fertilizing the tree, and keeping the weeds away from the tree so it can bear fruit without any limitations as it grows from year to year. Well, I went to Google, and I looked up character traits. And I hope this falls upon positive character traits. Creativity, curiosity. Humility, honesty, optimism, integrity, loyalty, compassion, consciousness, and self-control. Think about that in today's society with our politicians. The definition of character, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual, which we just talked about under Google. 
here's an example. This is a side of her character that few people have seen. A person who's marked by notable or conspicuous traits. Such as, well, that was quite a character. Moral excellence and firmness. A man of sound character. Now, when reading the Bible, I think that you'll find in, that there are examples throughout where God tests man's character. And here's the fruit coming out. Man's character, inner values, and whether he or she lives for Christ, thus possessing and demonstrating those inner values. Our biblical men and women of the Bible were not perfect, for they sinned. But Genesis 22, 1 says that God, and here's your first one, in my mind, God tested Abraham by the use of sacrificing his son Isaac. And Abraham did it without question. The result was that Abraham feared God. In return, God spared his son because God does not and will not accept man, and I'm not talking about Christ, to be sacrificed. Instead, a lamb was sacrificed. And Abraham demonstrated inner values of character. Moses showed his character leading the Israelites through Egypt. Now remember, as he was leading them through, and when they went through Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, through the Red Sea and into the wilderness, well, you know the story that the gripe, gripe, complain, complain for 40 years. They all complained to Moses, deliver us, deliver us, get us into the promised land. But even though they did this, Moses never wavered. Moses was true to what God said, and Moses grew in his character. Joshua showed his character by destroying Jericho and showing his fellow countrymen how God would deliver them. Daniel showed his character to probably the greatest ruler at the time, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, that guy that threw Daniel into the lion's den? And why? Because Daniel would not bow to the king's idols. And remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The same three that would not bow to the gold image of Nebuchadnezzar? And what what, what did happen to them? They were thrown into the fire, in a very hot fire, extremely hot. Yet they came out without a scar, a cut, a burn. And they showed Nebuchadnezzar how great God is and that they 
would not bow down to the king's idols. And neither did Daniel. Their character grew not only through them, but by the people around them saw the immense character of these folks. And then there was this fellow, young boy, who led the Israelites because when you go back, there was a king by the name of Saul who all the people wanted. They said, no, we really don't want God. Samuel said that it's sad. They don't. They, they want a man as a king. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. Well, he did. There's Saul. Then this giant by the name of Goliath comes up, and the Philistines were, again, ready to attack and kill many, many, many Israelites. This young boy, and that's what he was, according to Goliath, the young boy, came up. He met first Saul's challenge of killing Goliath. A young boy. And what did he have? Just a few stones, smooth stones. So he met the giant in the field, listened to the giant's cursing. Goliath taunted David and cursed. And in return, David, picked by God, slayed the giant, gave God all the credit. and sent the Philistines running for their lives. What happened to David? David's character grew from a boy to, into a king, making him a man after God's own heart. Perfect? No. None of them were. But they also grew in character. Just like trees that bear fruit, David fit so many of the characteristics in Google. When you read about David, you must think that he fit so many of the characteristics. Many yesterday and today are more anxious about their reputation, at least about character or what, what a man is in God. Think about that. Your politicians, our politicians, are Republicans, Democrats. If you look at them and, and think about this, where's the mention of God? Are they afraid? It's well said in today's society that we have many who are more concerned for the reputation and how it's viewed by his peers instead of possessing and displaying inner values. Tell me, Folks, who has character and who's more concerned about the reputation? As we listen to the modern media, do you not think that the media especially 
and I'm talking about the mainstream media, would have you believe that character is no longer needed. Or that your character needs to be mocked, maligned, and ridiculed for doing what's right. And with no heed to how your personal reputation may suffer. Well, when I wrote that, I thought that's just adding insult to injury. Because not only is the character that you have or your inner values, but also because you're trying to do what's right and you have a reputation of trying to do what's right, you're ridiculed, you're mocked, you're maligned because you don't go along with the crowd. Today's society advocates those who lie. Hmm. Dishonest. Hmm. And infidelity in public leadership. While intimidating character to those who stand for Christ. For his law, statutes, commandments, and inner values. I've heard those people that attack when someone brings up that I believe in Christian values. I believe in the commandments, the statutes, and the laws. They're ridiculed. You don't need to be bringing religion into this. Oh, yes, we do. It's the whole foundation. Christ is the foundation. If you don't think this is happening in America, then why hasn't the White House, why hasn't Biden and his in his uh, people and Congress and the Senate added prayer and Bible reading in schools. They didn't have the problems we got now. Ten Commandments used to be posted in public places. The Pledge of Allegiance would be implemented in our schools. The great Ivy League schools. Why do we have professors, men and women in prominent colleges and universities who denounce the Bible and teach atheism, agnosticism, and false forms of religion? So our students can have a broader education experience. You know, if you had that back in the 1800s and a professor was doing that, you know what would happen to him? He'd be executed. If you had uh, drag queens in your school, whether it be elementary or middle school or high school, showing off their wares, why aren't they taken out and not allowed ever back on the school? That is not an accepted behavior. Transgenderism is not inaccepted whatsoever. God made man, man, and woman, woman. For you folks out there that don't believe it and you want to argue, well, I got news for you. You can argue all you want, but one day when you look at our creator, you answer that to him. God created man, man, and woman, woman.
And for those that want to argue about anything else concerning that, uh uh-uh. Why is it sports arenas that we have those who take a knee when the national anthem's played? I think if they take a knee, then they ought to take a knee and head right on out and uh, no longer be able to play in the National Football League or in the baseball or in or any sport. And I'll tell you the reason why, very simply this. We have men and women that have sacrificed their lives for you and I. World War II, World War One, the Spanish-American War, American men and women, Vietnam, Afghanistan, uh, Korea. Not only is this an insult, but if you're not proud to be an American and you can't stand and put your heart, your hand over your heart for the national anthem, one really has to question where your loyalties are. Yeah, you heard me. Why do we have musical writers advocate abortion, murder, rape in their lyrics? Why do we have people that publish that music? Freedom of speech? Murder and rape? Freedom of speech? That's two opposites. Why do we have educational systems where one must go through a metal detector, have dog sniffing lockers, guns in the hands of elementary schools, and books advocating transgenderism, homosexuality, lesbianism, drag queens, and this alternative lifestyle? Sin is sin. Let's call it a spade. Sin is sin. Is it greater than telling a lie? No, but it's wrong. There is right and there's wrong. There's black and there's white. Transgenderism, you've already heard me. Homosexuality, no, 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 no. What did God say all through the Old Testament and the New Testament? That is the final basis in the word. Same way with lesbianism, lesbianism, drag queens, alternative lifestyles. Folks, we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, we're probably putting them to shame. The Holy Roman Empire, when they were at their worst. Caligula. I mean, it's just getting on and on and on. Which leads me to my next point. Where are the pastors, the clergy, the elders, the church congregation? who just listen and accept the above. Sleep at the wheel. Why are pastors watering down the word? Putting Pastor putting God as accepting sin. It's okay. No, these lifestyles are not okay. We got a local minister here in in our neck of the woods that advocates it, that lifestyle. What is he going to say to God when God said, I put it in the book, in the writing. Were you trying to play God and say, I was trying to bring more people in for you? I mean, what's your excuse going to be? And that's what it is. Why are pastors more concerned about what their congregation thinks about him 
instead of his character. Again, is this a matter of character or the promotion of reputation? Now, as I read the article on the death of uh, character by Dr. Spence, no Webster, we'll take him. 1800s, and you could say I'm old-fashioned or whatever. Same guy, no Webster. You know, the textbook pioneer, American lexicographer, language spelling reformer, political writer, editor, and author. In fact, he's been called the father of American scholarship and education. His blueback speller books taught five, five generations of American children on how to spell and read. Hmm. Be kind of handy now. Webster's name has become synonymous with what? The dictionary in the United States. Remember that because it's probably come up on Jeopardy. And that especially has to do with the Merriam-Webster Dictionary that was first published in 1828 as an American Dictionary of the English Language. And that came from Wikipedia. You're going to say, well, what was Noah Webster known for? <clears throat> well, he's best remembered as the author of the dictionary, most often called Webster's. But whose original 1828 title was An American Dictionary of the English Language, courtesy of others want to know. What was Noah Webster's issue? Webster felt that Americans, this is back in the 1800s, should have their own textbooks and that they should not rely on the English textbooks. He also felt that Americans should have copyright laws to protect authors. He believed that Americans should have their own dictionary, courtesy of others want to know. And finally, Noah Webster what did he have to say about the Bible? He believed the country would not last long if it ignored Christian principles. This is what he wrote. The Bible is the chief moral cause of all that is good and the best corrector of all that is evil in human society. The best book for regulating the temporal concerns of men and the only book that can serve as an infallible guide to future happiness. It's extremely important to our nation in a political as well as a religious view that all possible authority and influence should be given to the scriptures, for these furnish the best principles of civil liberty and the most effectual support of Republican government. The principles of genuine liberty and of wise laws and administrations are to be drawn from the Bible and sustained by its authority. That was courtesy of the Euclid Observer. Daniel Webster also made a very brilliant speech, Secretary of State in Great Order uh, in Madison, Indiana. And you can read more of that on my website, Understanding God's Laws. I want to say that these two men, they love their country, their countrymen, their neighbors, and children, for all children, to have a well-rounded education to assist in preparing them for life. 
these men provided the basis for building character in our youth, not personal reputation. Yes, one was the father of the modern dictionary, the book of how to teach one to read and write, and both men adding the Bible as the basis for moral educations. You see, students learn to not only read and write, but they learn rules and precepts, do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, and to be able to distinguish good from evil. Their conclusion was the Bible was the best book for regulating temporal concerns of all men and preparing each man for the next steps in life. How? By building inner values. So one must look and say, do you take morality seriously? Character versus appearance. First Samuel 6, 7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look, where? At the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So was Samuel looking outside of a person or his reputation when the name of David came up as king? The answer is quite simple, as the Lord looks at the heart and not man's reputation. As we begin to come to a close, the question comes, where biblically, where can we build character? I think Romans 5, 3, and 4 gives us the answer. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now, when you break down these verses, the commentary says, we will experience difficulties that help us grow in Christ. And we all will. We rejoice in suffering, not because you or I like pain or deny the tragedy, it's tragedy, but because God, our marvelous God, is using life's difficulties and Satan's attacks to build our character or inner values. The problems that we run into will develop our perseverance. Think about that. The problems that we run into will develop our perseverance. That in turn strengthens our character. How? Because it deepens the trust in God. And our eyes are focused upon God. We face life decisions on a daily basis and we're bombarded with news stories that can either be True or false, that politicians are running on their reputation, that sports figures act as gods, television maligns and ridicules shows with morals. 
You think that Andy Griffith would sell today? The Andy Griffith show? How about the Dick Van Dyke show? How about any of the early 60s shows? That movies mock character and pride themselves in violence and sex, and that in order to get ahead in business, you must lie, cheat, and sleep your way to the top. For crime does pay, or so people think. Here's the mirror. Look and see for that. This is what we do in our actions is exactly what our children see and are taught. We're no different than mirrors. Ah, but in conclusion, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So will you be counted as one who endeavors to maintain a good reputation and guard your true self and God? Will you climb the mountain to build character or inner values? Or will you cave when Satan attacks you for fear of your reputation? As I close, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Very strong words of character versus reputation. Very strong words. You know, God takes all through the Bible, men and women, with character. Not perfect, sinful. But as you've seen, these men and women have done exactly what Romans 5, 3, and 4 say. They built character through perseverance. They went through the fire. They stood up to Satan's attacks. Not themselves, but only through God and then glorified God. They had the shield that's talked about in Ephesians because we're not strong enough to face Satan. He is a prowling lion that will devour us. But only through the protection of God will we be able to persevere. And the credit is not ours. The personal reputation that many people give out. If you peel back the layers of the onion, you might find it might be a little bit different. Character, inner values. These are the things that have made America great. And it's my prayer that we find men and women that hold these inner values of character close to their heart. You'll either stand for something or you'll fall for anything. My dad used to say that. I remember that many times. May God bless you in all that you do. And may you bless God. And when you have the chance, please go to my website, understandinggodslaws.com, 
and uh, I will come up with another podcast for thought. Have a great day, and may God bless you.